Welcome to Industry Leaders Journey, where we explore the lives and careers of conscious leaders who are making a positive impact on this world while they transform the supply chain and procurement business. My name is Su Shem. Einstein said, everything is energy, that's all there is to it. Today's guest, Jose Antonio Valgano, the CPO of SEPSA, is living that principle by helping his company to become an energy company. Let's begin this journey. Okay, so Jose Antonio, so good to see you again. How are you today? Oh, doing fine. What about you, Sho? I'm very good. So excited to talk to you about, uh, you know, your journey. And um, especially because you're from Spain, one of my favorite countries. <laughs> that was the country that I visited last before the COVID. But I heard uh, you're from Basque. So I, I read about the Basque people have the last name. Um, that means uh, sp- something like, where are you from? Is that true? Like Valganion? How do you say your name? Valganion? Valganion. So. Yeah. Is that the place where your ancestors from, basically, the village name? In my case, that's correct. Yeah, so my grandparents uh, came from Valgañón. Valgañón is a small village um, that belongs to a, to a small uh, autonomy region called La Rioja, where, by the way, where the one of the best wines from Spain comes from. Uh, yes, Rioja my wine. favorite wine. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. and um, uh, my parents come from there. Uh-huh. I was born in San Sebastian, which is the, the core of the Basque country. But in the past, long time ago, this part of Spain also were kind of uh, influenced by the Basque culture. Uh-huh. So this is the reason why I have this uh, last name. Uh, yeah. And why don't you tell me a little bit about Basque? I don't really know much about that region and culture. Something that people don't know about? Yeah. So, for example, let's start with the, with the easy part. So the Basque region is a, is a small piece of Spain. Uh-huh. and sits uh, in the north, close to the French border. It's like uh, 1.5% of the total uh, territory of Spain. Okay, right. so it's quite small. Uh, however, it has quite a large population, which is uh, around a bit more than 2 million people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. uh, the vast culture is quite an old one. In fact, there are, today there are still some open questions that has not been answered yet. Uh, probably the most interesting one are related with the language. The Basque region has uh, its own language, which is called Euskera. Okay? Mm-hmm. It is a language that uh, nobody knows where it comes from. Uh-huh. And uh, today it's the oldest language still alive. I mean, that there are people speaking them, so nothing to do with Latin, for example, uh-huh. uh, that exist in Europe. So do you its understand roots it? are not no. I'm able to understand it a bit, but I'm not able to speak it, and for sure I'm not able to write it, because it has not any Latin roots. So I think it's really interesting about the Basque culture, this thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, fascinating. I mean, I, I can ask probably 10 more questions, but uh, due to the time that I need to get into this yeah, sure. energy discussion, so I'll probably move on, but I, I will definitely ask you more questions privately. Very fascinating culture and then unique area. So today, so we'll be really going into energy industry. And um, so it's for me, energy is uh, really pretty much everything about life, right? Uh, it's like life force and whether it's energy within us or energy that powering our house and iPhones and everything. 
So I wanted to ask you, how do you explain to consumers or your children, uh, general population, what the difference between oil and gas company versus energy company? That's one of the not easy questions to answer. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm going to explain it at least uh, from my point of view, you know? Yes. So, so traditionally, the oil and gas industry has been somehow, in our minds, differentiated from the general energy industry, okay? Uh-huh. But uh, to be honest, and to some extent, the oil and gas industry uh, has always belonged to the energy industry, mm-hmm. where uh, the energy we have been providing in the past were coming from the, uh, from the crude from the barrels we were, we were producing, right? But at the end of the day, what we deliver to the society, to the economy, is energy. Right. So in the past, uh, probably the fact that the source of energy uh, we were providing were just coming from the oil and gas, mm-hmm. it, was, it, it has driven us to, to think that both were different. Mm-hmm. But uh, there has been some time since the oil companies enter other types of uh, energy businesses. Okay? Mm-hmm. So today, in most of the cases, uh, the key players on the oil and gas industry are also key players on different energies. In electricity, they are players in biofuels, they are players in uh, hydrogen. And uh, so, to my mind, uh, there should not be a longer uh, differentiation between oil and gas and energy. Right, right. So like oil and gas uh, companies are, I mean, traditionally it's really big companies and that's why they had their own sector or like group, but now they're kind of diversifying into different areas. Like you said, if sometimes I think your company, Sepsa, is investing in chemical industry area and then, or still end-to-end distribution and different also alternative energy, which is like, um, yeah, the sustainable other power source as well. So that's really interesting that transition is happening. And like you said, someday it will be just energy company, right? And not just the separated. Um, so let's talk about the SEPSA for the people who don't know uh, very much. And uh, it is really well known in Spain and in Europe. You can see that name every corner when you're driving, right? <laughs> the, yeah, yeah, right. So tell us a little bit about SEPSA. What does it do? And then also your organization within SEPSA, how do you support that uh, organization? Um, so SEPSA is, a, as you have said, it's a well-known group in Spain. It's the second largest uh, energy company here, and it's a key contributor to the industry mm-hmm. at the country level. Uh, it's a global company, and it's a, an integrated, diversified company that operates across the, well, we can talk about it, with the oil, chemical, gas, and uh, some other uh, energy uh, subsectors, and that uh, has existed for more than 90 years. So it's, uh, in fact, it was the first traditional oil and gas company in Spain. Mm-hmm. Wow. And the, um, the fact that we have so long story has helped us to, uh, to have footprint in the, the five different continents and uh, to have a manpower employee team of uh, up to 10,000 people right now. So amazing long in histories and actually really global reach you have also so that's huge company and so my 
question back to you is that procurement organization. So you are heading up the global procurement organization for all that 10,000 right. employees, right? So then uh, your function is global, but uh, and you are located in Madrid. Uh, most of the team, your teams are also in the global areas spread out or how do you support? My position is the CPO, so I'm in charge of all the procurement supply activities for globally. So it basically means uh, across all the businesses mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and across all the countries. Um, in um, in CEPSA, we do have right now a single procurement and supply organization that, uh, to be honest, it's helping us to drive the transformation and the change uh, very much. And the, the fact that we are, we are tackling different businesses and uh, we have a different geographic footprint drives our... Um, organization and the procurement model to a one quite complex. Okay? Mm -hmm. The fact that we we have to buy for, for so different type of clients and in so different type of countries, uh, it makes us to have a, quite a complex portfolio of categories to handle, mm -hmm. both in materials and services. So the model we currently have is, uh, I mean, it's not a secret because there are, you know, there are several uh, large corporation that they have the equivalent model. We do have matrix organization in which we have strong category management group uh, centralized. And then we have also strong groups that sits in each of the countries where we do have uh, industrial activity. Mm. So that we are very close to the customers that are our business units. Mm. But at the same time, we have a strong centralized model in which uh, we can leverage large negotiations, large volumes, and where we basically set up the strategy for global procurement. Yeah, makes sense. Having that global and regional local balance is uh, really the key of operating this successful yeah. international company. Yeah. Okay, and I also wanted to ask you, um, your background is actually, you've been around in the procurement world a long time in many different industries, not just the energy industry. So your perspective uh, is unique. How would you characterize the success of procurement, especially in this energy industry compared to other industries? Well, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, I think that uh, most of the challenges that the procurement and supply uh, functions uh, have are pretty much uh, the same. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, at least when you are looking at them at a kind of uh, uh, high level. But having said this, uh, when you are trying to fix the, the different situations and to tackle an, a specific strategy for each of the procurement industries, to be honest, you need uh, a fine-tuning exercise, mm -hmm. what sounds kind of uh, logical. So uh, if I would have to say, uh, for example, two um, characteristics that I have only seen in this uh, industry uh, are, for example, first, that um, our industrial activities are pretty much process-driven, meaning that uh, the process we are operating mm -hmm. belongs to a technology developer. It basically means that uh, there is single technology provider mm -hmm. with whom we need to deal most of the negotiations. I mean, there are no competitiveness. Down you there. Mean, when you say technology provider, you mean like, I'm not sure what they mean by that. It means that uh, we are licensed uh -huh. to drive a specific technology process to produce a specific product. 
Mm, I see, I see. So we, there is a single source mm -hmm. with whom we need to live for the rest of our life mm -hmm. as long as we are producing the same product. Okay. Okay. So, like marriage. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. So this is something that uh, it's very typical in this kind of industry. The R&D is protected mm -hmm. by the developers. And then when they go to the market, to the oil and gas companies, mm -hmm. they sell the license uh, to use it. So it needs a specific, a specific way of dealing with this kind of technology providers. Okay. And the second thing is that, uh, on the other hand, because this kind of uh, large uh, and long-term negotiation with the technology providers are under centralized. This is the typical uh, category management at a global level. But on the other hand, the operation of our manufacturing facilities are intensive in the manpower. Mm -hmm. So it basically means that in a model where most of the manpower is externalized, Mm -hmm. We have to deal with a lot of professional services mm -hmm. and services company. Basically means that there are a lot of local activity because most of the services are provided by local or regional companies. Uh -huh. So it's kind of just the opposite comparing with the large and long-term centralized negotiation. At the uh -huh. same time, we have to be able to deal with these local or regional services yeah. contracts Totally makes sense now to me. Okay, so because I look at it from uh, our solutions that SAP provide to the customers like you, and uh, so what we talk about the services procurement and then all external workforce, and well, you actually giving me the context of exactly how it's being used in that operation in uh, different countries and everywhere else. But the single source that very important key technology provider has to be really negotiated carefully at the central place and controlled right. really well with the strategic sourcing. Yeah, understand. Correct. And you make an important point here, which is uh, if you see the complexity of, of the local plus central plus a bunch of different categories and a lot of countries, you would understand the importance of having a single system mm -hmm. and centralized governance model. So for us, having a single and efficient and the easy to drive system is key for us because it drives a lot of our efficiency in our, for example, procure to pay operations. You know? Right, right, right. So that's actually a good segue to jump into actually procurement and digitalization discussion. Right. Yeah. So this digitalization, having a single system is definitely your enabler for your strategy, right? Um, so can you share your experience with the, your digital transformation, how it has been? Uh, yes, yes. I mean, I have to say that CEPSA, comparing with some other peers companies, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. has been somehow um, ahead of them. Okay? Mm -hmm. And uh, probably one of the success factors I have seen here, but not at, at the procurement level, but also at a company level, mm -hmm. has been the fact that we have combining two things. First is the, is the culture. Mm -hmm. If you really want to, to enter into a digital, so-called digital transformation, which is like the big bang, mm -hmm. you need a change in the culture of the, of the people. Mm -hmm. Not only the management, but the people who is doing the day-to-day -day work. Because companies at the end run because the teams are doing their job mm -hmm. efficiently. You know, so change, driving a change in the culture and the, in our case, being able to build a training and capabilities program to change this culture and the, and the, and the technical capabilities of the digital profiles mm -hmm. internally 
I think that has been one of our success factors. In fact, we have created probably in Spain, in Spain for sure, but it may be also at another level too. We have our own CDX, which is our um, digital academy in CEPSA, in which uh, there is a strong and aggressive program to drive the capabilities to the people so that they are they understand the importance of being a data-driven company mm-hmm. and at the same time to uh, enforce and sponsor the use of all the different tools that at the end of the day uh, needs to be implemented. And this has been the success factor here in CEPSA. We are very happy about it. Mm. Sounds really awesome. Yeah, it's culture and then understanding that you need to actually help the people change, uh, creating new habits and muscles, but you're also helping them to learn. So creating that academy, that sounds really good, digital academy. Right. Okay. Um, so how was your experience and as you're rolling out the SAP Ariba platform for your global and then also regional procurement teams so far? Well, I think when when you are driving changes, especially when you are driving changes in systems, mm-hmm. there is a kind of uh, oh, the thing I had been, I had before was running properly. Why change? I I, I already know how everything worked, and uh, you know, but it's a kind of reluctancy to change that we always have, including me. No. Yeah. Yeah. But I have to say that uh, our experience with SAP, and we have been working with SAP for a long time. Mm-hmm. And probably we are one of the companies that I may say that we have the one of the most efficient SAP implementation here because we have a single SAP for the whole company, uh-huh. uh, for all the countries and uh, all the different businesses. Uh-huh. So our experience is that it has been very helpful and has also been one of the drivers of becoming more efficient. I think this shows in this uh, recent result. I just read it. Uh, you guys announced amazing H1 uh, results for earnings, and it's 33% up. Uh, and then, the, and actually, according to your um, shareholder meeting, uh, the report, it really contributes to your new program that you set out, multi-year efficiency program, like you just said, right. efficiency matters. And when I here, efficiency or sustainable savings, because you mentioned that SEPSA has already captured 131 million euro yeah. of sustainable savings. And that was additional to 73 million achieved in 2020 as part of this uh, p- uh, plan. I have to think about procurement because savings and procurement is almost synonymous. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about that, uh, uh, MEP, the multi-year efficiency program. What is it? And what was your role as a CPO? And then how did you lead your procurement organization to contribute to this strategic goal of SEPSA? So this uh, MEP uh, program that we put in place some some months ago was a plan that uh, was uh, driven directly by our shareholders and the top management. Mm-hmm. So it was uh, sponsored at the highest level possible. What usually is helpful, you know, because there are no nobody is questioning it. Okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, second thing is that this program is driving uh, should be able to drive our future growth. So. It is not only a program where we are looking for we are looking for aggressive uh, identification of um, opportunities mm-hmm. to remove cost or to reduce cost in a temporary mode, mm-hmm. but uh, to consolidate efficiencies so that we can remove these costs 
and take advantage of this cost re removal to growth in the future mm -hmm. with new businesses or whatever. No? So uh, it has been very well received. There has uh, involved most of the people in CEPSA, okay, because it has been it has been driven at a geographical level plus business level plus cross-functional and corporate level. Uh, and at the end of the day, each of us, we have been responsible for our piece of cost. Okay. Having said this, and as you've mentioned, uh, we are procurement. Okay? Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, beyond uh, the responsibility we have with our own cost of procurement and supply, we have been a key tool, let's say, of all the other functions mm -hmm. to help them driving their cost down. Right. Okay. So we have had a critical role. The, we have been a key contributor together with the businesses yeah. because this is um, a team success. We have been a key contributor of, of removing this cost. And I have to say that uh, we are very happy of the results so far. Yeah, yeah, I can see that you being true business partner and advisory within the company and helping them to negotiate better or coming up with a better cost modeling analysis and so on. So it's such a strategic role. Yeah, you know, you actually proving it and showing the outcome. And I'm sure you, you guys are having a good bonus this year. <laughs> we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. Yes, yes. <laughs> Okay, so with that success, I wanted to talk a little bit about the future. Um, and actually, it's on the other hand, that in general, your industry is definitely in a hot seat. Um, there are some of the other big companies are on the news recently about uh, the shareholders how, or some other board members trying to influence their decisions about um, carbon emission topic, right? So what are some of the initiatives or activities that your company is doing and you personally believe it's actually really, truly impactful to maybe change and shape our future differently. Well, I think that the, 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 in, this, in this kind of um, industry transformation, there are kind of uh, short-term actions and there are also some uh, long, medium-long-term actions. Mm -hmm. I mean, these big changes never happen in the, in the time frame that are expected. So I think that we are pretty much um, acting uh, in those spaces where we have identified mature enough to put in place action. So, for example, all the electricity we are selling today, CEPSA, mm -hmm. that we are putting on the market, it already comes from renewable sources. Mm. Okay, This has been something that we have building uh, for three to four years. And now we can say that 100% of the electricity we are putting in the markets to our customers comes from renewables. Okay. Like so wind and other sources, that's what I mean. Wind and photovoltaic, basically. Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. So this is something that definitely contributes to reduce the uh, CO2 footprint. Um, something else, for example, we are also working to increase our biofuels production. We are already manufacturing biofuels that we are mixing with the, with the traditional fuels coming from the crude. Okay? And we are planning and we are developing the technology to be able to increase the tons of uh, biofuels that uh, we are providing to the market. This uh, is kind of the short term. If we look into the medium term, uh, I think that there are some spaces where we are exploring in our um, uh, R&D uh, center right now that are looking for this uh, energy transformation 
that uh, we will have, uh, we will need some time to check if the technology is ready to be implemented. We will see if the market is ready to uh, absorb these uh, new type of energies, mm -hmm. and that probably we will need come to two to three, four years to make this a reality. I'm referring to, so for example, the the green hydrogen, mm -hmm. which is uh, on the table of most of the of the uh, of the companies. You know, can this become a reality and an alternative? Right. Uh, we are also looking into this. That's awesome. I mean, you guys are big companies and you have a deep pocket for R&D and that's what we what's needed for a complete transformation of the yeah. world energy, right? So that's why I'm so excited to actually talk about what uh, the old oil and gas companies, but now it's really becoming more energy company and transitioning mm -hmm. into energy and investing in this uh, really cutting edge technology to come up with a solution for for all of us right so right. so good work keep going so it's been a really interesting discussion and i'm learning a lot about the energy section but i, I i'm also um very interested to talk about overall individual leaders journey and then at this stage in your life you know i'm sure you have kind of reflected and then thought about what you have done so far in your life. And so I would like to ask this question always to my guests. What would your younger self, you know, that young young man who left uh, Basque country and came to the Madrid, <laughs> the big world, uh, what would you, your younger man would say to yourself if he met you today? Well, probably he would tell me uh, something like, uh, my friend, you've really enjoyed your job, uh -huh. the jobs you've had and the companies where you've been and the things you have been able to do, regardless of the, if they have been some, uh, you know, challenges or problems or uh, periods where there has been, you know, a lot of demanding. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that he would tell me, hey, guy, you've enjoyed your jobs. Uh -huh. And that's true. And uh, if I would have to tell him something, looking into the past, yeah. I would tell him something like, uh, hey guy, you take the right decisions. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the results is that, uh, you know, so I've enjoyed most of the things I've done afterwards. Oh my God, that's so, so nice. Kind of... So you gotta thank your, yourself. And basically you right. made a good decisions and thanks to you, I'm enjoying my life basically. Right. That's yeah. perfect. No regret. It's great. Everything is no, no, no. everything is enjoying. Yeah, why not? <laughs> That's good. I mean, life life is not easy, but uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, I mean, this is how I feel, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, so true. Like, I mean, life, as long as we live, there will be always some sort of challenges, always imbalance, something will come, right? But uh, just yeah. knowing that that's life and then just being in the moment, also enjoying what you're doing is so important. So right. what's your ambition for next then? Next part of your career? Oh, that's a good question. I, I, you know, I've been the whole life doing pretty much similar things, you know? So... Uh, probably I've been able to learn a lot of things. Mm -hmm. I would like to, and this is something that I usually do with my team, you know, with, with, the, with the younger members of the team, kind of uh, coaching, telling them stories. Probably they may think that, uh, oh, this guy is telling me all the stories like, uh, you know, but I would like to, to share with them my experiences, right. not only specific things that has been done from the 
from the business point of view, mm -hmm. but also experiences to uh, encourage them to be part of, uh, of the industry and of the operations and of the procurement function. I think that it has uh, an important value. I think right. that's the exactly the purpose of life. At the end, uh, you know, we we become some something, and then that gift and talents, and then all the skills we acquire, and it's time to share. So that's what it is. Right. So time to contribute and share back. Yeah. So on that note, finish this sentence. I am optimistic. Da, da, da. Yeah, I'm optimistic there is always an opportunity or there is always a space for a better world, you know? I think that uh, we have to think in positive because everything can be improved yeah. in any dimension of life. Mm -hmm. And if you think in positive, it's much easier. Yeah, that's, that's so true. To get rid of problems, so. Mm -hmm. That's different. amazing. I love to think positive and it does give me energy. <laughs> yeah. so, thank you so much for sharing positive energy with me and everyone today. And uh, I'm looking forward to working with you through our think tank and thinking about the opportunity and space to make it better. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you to you. So it's been a pleasure. As you must have felt, I noticed Jose Antonio embodies the humility from that small town in the Basque region. While he's leading a mission-critical energy transformation at SEPSA, his connections to his root ground him safely. His family and good old friends from his hometown are the infinite energy source for Jose Antonio. This was a great story that reminded us of the importance of this social influence on our daily missions. How about you? How well are you keeping your social interactions? Thanks for joining us on this episode of Industry Leaders Journey. This series is produced by the Industry Value Chain team at SAP, where we are committed to making the world run better and improving people's lives. For more information and to access all of our podcasts, find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Ariba.com.